0: We have texts, and we have tweets, and we have snaps, but there's still nothing quite like a good old-fashioned card. There's something about receiving a card that, that makes us feel valued. Like this one. It says, uh, you're, a spe- you're a really special person, your love of life and of people shines through in so many inspiring ways, and if anyone ever deserved the best in life, it would be you. What's not to like about that? Or this one. This card has got butterflies on the front. It says, one of the nicest things in the world is knowing someone cares. You open it, and it says, if it helps to know someone cares, I do. Well, that feels pretty good. Good. And this card, this one says, Remember, this too shall pass. This is a card designed for for people who are going through difficult times. Let me read the rest of it. It says, Remember, this too shall pass painfully, like a kidney stone, <laughs> but it'll pass. Like, gee, thanks for the encouragement. This one, it's not a hallmark. <laughs> well, before Christmas... We were teaching through the biblical book of 1 Kings. And 1 Kings, it's in the Old Testament, which means it happened before Jesus was around. We called this series, as we're teaching through 1 Kings, Influence. And here's why we're calling it Influence. Because at the very get-go, when God sets up these kings, He says, I'm going to give you guys some influence, like He gives each one of us. And then He says, I want you to use this influence to help people. To serve people, to, to add value to people. When you do that, you will be fulfilled and good things are gonna happen. Well, some of these kings we've seen have done that, most of them have not. We have two passages left. We'll get one of them this week, and then we'll conclude the series next week. We're to first Kings chapter 22. And this passage, rather obscure, doesn't get the headlines, but it's fascinating. Here's what's going on. First Kings 22, Ahab is the king of Israel and he has not been following the ways of the Lord. Verse 1, For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. Peace for three years. But King Ahab, he, he got discontent. There was a city that was located just north of the border that at one time his people were in charge of, but it had been conquered by the Aramites. And so he wanted to get it back. So he went to his ally, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and he asked him this, verse 4, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? He asked Jehoshaphat to join him in this military campaign. Well, Jehoshaphat, he he said, I'm in, just one caveat. Verse 5, But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. He said, I don't want to just jump right in. I want to know what does God think about this? Great advice. Great way to proceed. So the question then becomes, well, how did they know? How did they know what God's saying to them and how do we? You know, God, He's not in the habit of sending these because He's already given us this. At the Bible, we believe the Bible is not just another good book. We believe it's, the book. Through this book, God reveals who He is. What is true? What's, what will help us? What will harm us? Timothy put it this way. Second Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuke, and correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. That means that the wisdom we can glean from the Bible applies to all facets of my life. To, to my friendships, to my parenting, to my marriage, to my vocation, to my studies, all of it. Well, in the days of the kings, they didn't have all 66 books of the Bibles like you and I do. There were only five of them that had been written. So, King Ahab, he did this. Verse 6. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets about 400 men and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I refrain? He brought in a whole bunch of prophets and asked if it was God's will for them uh, to conquer Ramoth Gilead. With the response of these prophets, it was unanimous. Verse 6 continues, go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Which reminds me of a, a story. It was a, fortune 500 company they were searching for a new cfo and after an extensive process they had three candidates for the final interview brought them in just one question here was the question what is two plus two well the first candidate you know confidently responds four ceo shakes his head asks him to leave Well, second candidate, same question. What's two plus two? Well, she responds statistically. It's a number between three and five. CEO shakes his head, asks her to leave. Well, the third candidate comes in, same simple question. What's two plus two? This candidate looks directly at the CEO and says, well, what do you want it to be? (laughs) Hired on the spot. 400 prophets said yes to the king. All these guys, they told the king exactly what he wanted to hear. Not the end of the story. Next verse, verse 7. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can acquire of? See, Ahab's ally, King ally, King Jehoshaphat, we're going to hear more about him next week. He was a follower of the Lord. He knew the way that Ahab lived. He knew the way that the system in Israel worked. He recognized those 400 prophets had incentive to tell King Ahab whatever King Ahab wanted to hear. They were classic yes-men. Well, King Jehoshaphat, he didn't want flattery. He wanted candor. He wanted truth. Truth. (laughs) There it is. There's a word that has come into hard times these days. Truth. Many today reject the notion that there is some kind of universal truth that applies to all people of all times and all places. We live in a world that is more and more defining truth individualistically. You know, truth is, if I like it, if it fits, if it works for me, then it's true for me. You know, I would tell you, I saw this sign posted on a state university campus. It was hanging up from one of their walls. It said this. It's okay for you to think you're right. It's not okay for you to think someone else is wrong. That's the air that we breathe. Chapter 22. King Ahab, he thought that he was right. And he didn't want anyone to tell him that he was wrong. Hear how he responded to King Jehoshaphat's request for a prophet from the Lord. Verse 8. There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. Interesting. Why did King Ahab hate Micaiah? Did you catch it? It wasn't because Micaiah's words ended up proving to be false. (laughs) That wasn't the reason. Look at this. Here's his reason, verse 8. I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Right there, we learn a whole lot about Ahab. We learn a whole lot about what's going on in his heart and his mind. Ahab doesn't want truth. He doesn't want that. Ahab doesn't want truth. Ahab, what he wants, he wants his desires, his thoughts. He wants those things to be validated. Can we blame him? You are a really special person. Well, that's encouraging. Your love of life and of people shines through in so many inspiring ways. I like that. that That makes me feel good. And if anyone ever deserved the best in life, it would be you. And if anyone ever deserved the best in life, it would be you. Is that true? No, but it sure feels good. See, what we can do, we can start approaching the Bible like a greeting card. You know, when I open it, I want to be encouraged. You know, personally, I'm drawn to the passages in the Bible that say things like, well, God made me and God designed me and God loves me. And I like the passages that show us, well, God is faithful and God is loving and God is forgiving and all all those are true. But if I'm really listening to all of this, there are some other things in here. And I don't know about you, But some of the times when I open up and read the Bible, I'm not encouraged. There are times I open up and start reading the Bible and quite frankly, I'm discouraged. I find things in here and think, oh man, I'm messing that up. Do not covet. Uh oh. Do not lust. Yikes. Do not lie. Well, shucks, because that's how I was planning on fixing the first two things. <laughs> the Bible realized it's not a greeting card. That's not its purpose, that's not its intent. 1 Kings 22, King Ahab, he wants to conquer Ramoth-Gilead. He wants to expand his territory. He wants to experience more and more success. His ally, King Jehoshaphat, wanted to know, well, is that God's will? The 400 prophets told the king what he wanted to hear. Verse 12, all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth-Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. King Jehoshaphat insisted on consulting a prophet who wasn't on King Ahab's payroll. It's going to be a little different. The prophet Micaiah told Ahab this, verse 17. Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. Peace. In other words, what Micaiah was prophesying, he was saying, King, if you go to war, you're going to lose. And he added, you will die. Now, do you think powerful King Ahab, sitting on his throne, wanted to hear that? (laughs) No, Look how Ahab responds. Verse 26, Then the king of Israel ordered, Well, take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. He didn't like what Micaiah said, so he threw him in prison and gave him a low-calorie diet. (laughs) That's what happens here. What do we see? What's going on? Well, Ahab, King Ahab, he didn't want candor. What he really wanted was flattery. The king, he didn't want truth. He wanted, he wanted affirmation. And I think God puts history like this into the Bible so that we will start asking those questions of ourselves. How about me? How about you? What do you want? Do you want to know God's truth or do you really just want God's endorsement? Be honest. I will. There are many times I prefer God's endorsement to God's truth. So what do we do about that? Helps me to think of that this way. Let's say you you go to pick up your car from the shop and the mechanic says to you, hey, your car is in great shape. Wonderful. That feels good. Well, a little while later in the day, your tranny drops. You, You discover you've got no transmission fluid in your car whatsoever. Well, what would you do? I'd go back to the mechanic and I'd say, hey, why didn't you tell me? Well, imagine if the mechanic would say, well, I didn't want you to feel bad. I want this to be a place where you are uplifted and encouraged. What? Right? Isn't that what goes through our mind? We say, what? No. Hearing what we want to hear is comforting. Hearing what we want to hear is nice. Hearing what we want to hear feels supportive. But hearing what we want to hear, chapter 22 tells us, is also dangerous. See, the issue... That you and I should be asking as we're discerning, is this good or is this bad? The issue that we should be thinking about as we're discerning, is this right or is this wrong? It isn't, what do I like? And the issue, it isn't, what makes me feel good right here and right now? In First Kings chapter 22, God is showing us the real issue, the deeper issue, should be this. What is true? What's true? You know that—that's the reason why we do a lot of the things that we do around here. It's the reason why we we teach through the the books of the Bible. Let me put it this way: First Kings, the book of First Kings, not my favorite book of the Bible. Doesn't matter. We don't just take attractive topics or take felt needs and then go to the Bible and find some verses that are going to support what we want to say and then throw it out there. That's a very dangerous way to use the Bible. But we believe, we, we believe that the Bible, that it is God's word, that there's something unique, that there's something special about it. So we believe that the role of the teacher is to simply help us understand what the passage is is teaching. So the measure of a teaching, it isn't, do I like it? And the measure of a teaching isn't, well, am I inspired by it? Rather, the measure is this, do I now understand what God is saying in this passage? And if no, then we failed. If yes, then you are hearing from God. That's the win. Verse 6. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? 400 yes-men told Ahab, You'll take the city. You'll be victorious. One prophet of God, Micaiah, said, No, you won't. No, you won't. King, that's your plan. That's not God's plan. If you do that, you will lose and you will die. Lose and die or win and conquer. Which of those is more appealing? Pretty easy, right? What the 400 prophets were saying was appealing. What they said, it felt good. What they were saying, it was the majority opinion. What they were saying, it was what the king wanted to hear. Just one problem. It wasn't true. Is that an issue for you? Truth? Is that an issue in your life? See, Ahab, he followed the voices of the masses. He ends up initiating the battle. Here's how it turned out for him. Verse 34, But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged. And the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. The blood ran from his wound and ran onto the floor of the chariot. And that evening... He died. Ahab. He was pierced by an arrow. He bled out. He died. Now, about his army. Verse 36. As the sun was setting, a cry spread through the army every man to his town, every man to his land, which means Micaiah was right. They lost. They were fleeing. They were retreating. 400 verses. One. What's God saying? What does this mean? Here's what I think it means. Right is right even if everyone is against it. Wrong is wrong even if everyone is for it. God's truth isn't influenced by majority opinion. God's truth isn't influenced by individual belief. God's truth isn't influenced by personal preference. Majority doesn't mean right. Popular doesn't mean true. Just because everyone else is doing it, just because everyone else is thinking it, just because everyone else is saying it, just because everyone else is affirming it, just because everyone else is believing it, that doesn't make it true. Application time. Let's apply this passage to our own lives. Just simply ask ourselves the question, Well, how about me? How about you? Are there any truths from the Bible that you're ignoring? Like, well, I don't really like that one. Or are there there any teachings of Jesus? You're like, well, I like these teachings of Jesus, but these, not so much. Any teachings of Jesus that you're just kind of overlooking because, well, everybody else is any leadings of the Holy Spirit that that you've been having, that when you're honest, you've just kind of been blowing them off. You're like, well, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. I don't really feel like doing that, so I'm just not going to do that. Anything like that stirring up in you? You are a really special person. That's encouraging. Your love of life and of people shines through in so many inspiring ways. And that makes me feel pretty good. And if anyone ever deserved the best in life, it would be you. I like this. I find this encouraging and affirming and supportive. Is it true? No. No, it's not. Like Ahab, I, I think we're all drawn to the voices that tell us what we want to hear. Now, you and I, I think we tend to have a, a propensity to do what Ahab did and to seek validation for the things that we want to to believe. So here's what we can do. We can do what he did. We can surround ourselves with these 400 prophets. We can surround ourselves with a whole bunch of people, whole bunch of yes men. We can surround ourselves with a whole bunch of echo chambers if we want to. We can find someone or something that will tell us what we want to hear. But through 1 Kings 22, God is teaching, don't believe the lie Don't believe the lie that truth is what I like. Don't believe the lie that truth is what I want. Don't believe the lie that truth is what I feel like. Don't believe the lie that truth is what everyone else is doing. Don't believe the lie that truth is what feels natural. Don't believe the lie that truth is what works for me. If you want to know what the truth is, if you want to know how to find it, Jesus point. Blank tells us. He said this in his prayer to the Father, John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Here's how we're going to close. I'm going to have some words put on the screen and then in a a few moments give you the opportunity to to say these with me as a declaration of your faith. But before we do that, one of the things I also recognize is, you know, it's easy to put words on a screen and we're like, okay, we're in church, so we'll read what's ever on there. Well, there's not a lot of meaning in that. So what I want to do is, is give you a few moments just to look at these words and to ask yourself, do I believe that? Do I believe that? Do I really believe that? These are words from Psalm 119. Take a few moments, read them through, and ask, do I believe it? You know, if you're reading those and you're thinking, well, I'm not real sure on that. That's okay. We're we're glad you're here. You're you're welcome here. Don't feel like you need to participate in, in reading these when we do that together. We don't want to create one big moment of hypocrisy. That's not our goal. But if you do believe these words, if you believe there really is truth, And if you believe that that truth can be found in the Bible, in God's Word, then I invite you to join me and to declare our faith together. Join me. Your Word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. I got this one. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Join me. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday. We just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also